We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships registry, Bahamas, Panama. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Garage Beers! This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode number 94, and it is about time that we pay attention to one of the most feel-good stories in Cleveland sports right now, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And to help us do that, we have one of the hosts of the Chase Down Podcast. That's right. You can find him on Twitter at Cavzanada. It's Justin Rowan. So come on up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Welcome, everybody, into the Garage Beers podcast, episode number 94. Go find us online at The Garage Beers on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and any other social media site that's halfway relevant that we try to do things on. Uh, We're brought to you, as always, here on episode number 94, brought to you on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. Uh, And we have got a great episode for you. Joining you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Go find me online at Garage Beers, Mike. And with me this week, one of my two special co-hosts over on the east side of Cleveland, it's Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what up, Chad? Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, Mike, uh, I watched a terrible movie uh, the other day. Okay. Uh, but it, Tell, but us it, but, Tell us about it. Tell us about it. But I feel like Netflix kind of forced it on me. Uh, because, you know, it was called Power of the Dog, all right, and it was the number one movie on Netflix for a while. I don't even know if it's still there. Those things change, like, I feel daily. But I was reading the info on it, and, and Netflix, Netflix did that thing where, like, you're reading the info, and it's like they, they start playing. They're like, oh, you were reading this info. Uh, here, uh, how about we just start playing it for you? You're like, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just reading the info. They're like, you know what? It, it's, it's playing. Just, just play. Just watch it. Just watch it. So uh, I did. Netflix forced it on me, and it was 
Boring. <laughs> yeah. uh, but apparently this movie is up for all kinds of awards this year. Uh, and I, I see why, like, I get it. Like I, the way I describe this movie is like, have you ever been bored for two hours? Then realize afterwards, when you think about the movie, you really shouldn't have been bored, but like, there's no action in the movie to really kind of keep you interested. You just kind of kind of pay attention to the subtle nuances in the movie. Uh, I'm sorry. I stopped yeah. listening. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I bored you just on that two minute description, but yeah, it was, it was boring. But after I, after I thought about it, it was like, okay, I get it. I get why it's up for award season, but I still would not fucking watch it again. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't think I've even heard of it. Uh, yeah. To be honest. Yeah. 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 Apparently it won all kinds of awards. It's in select theaters at like independent film, film festival, fume festivals, kind of like film fume, festivals, fume festivals. Yeah, fume festivals, and uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently it's getting all kinds of Oscar buzz. And like I said, after thinking about it, I see why, but uh, I would not re- recommend it. That's for sure. I will say, I started watching that Netflix show with like Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes, and uh, yeah, yeah. Have you? Did you watch that? Uh huh. The whole thing. That shit is depressing. <laughs> like it's a hard watch. Like you would think, and I and but I like it. I appreciate it for that because it's not the standard like. Kevin Hart that the the funny thing about it is it's based on like if Kevin Hart's life went sideways is basically the premise of that show. Right. So it's it's like about Kevin Hart, but like it's fictional. If his life just went ballistic, this is what it would look like. So it's about him and he kind of pretty much just plays himself. Yeah. But Holy geez. Like, yeah, everything goes wrong in that show. And like, it's right. just one thing after the next, after the next. Right. And I, I got to tell you, like, like I told you guys, I think last week or the week before that I've been watching Ted Lasso trying to catch up and I could uh-huh. sit, I could sit and watch 26 Ted Lasso's in a row. Just like, sure. Even though it's emotional, like it's funny at times and it's sad at times and it's just so well done that I could right. sit and watch like 20 of them in a row. This show, I don't remember what the show on Netflix is called with Kevin Hart. and True Netflix. story. Yeah. True story. Yeah. I, I think I could watch maybe one or two of them in a night. And then I'm like, I'm like my head is like, you have to stop watching this. Like go to bed. <laughs> Dude, even at the non-emotional part or even at the like sad parts of Ted Lasso, they always make sure to end it like on a feel good note. Yes. <laughs> they that always make sure like, like how true story goes. No, 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 nowhere no. near. Just when you think he's out of it, something else goes wrong. Shit goes oh, sideways. My God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, uh, it's good to have you here again. We miss Joe. Joe, uh, this is just a crazy time of the year for Joe. So I know he's been a little hit or miss on our recent episodes, uh, but uh, just a crazy time of the year for him and his like real life. But uh, we still recommend you go follow Joe on social media at Garage Beers Joe. Uh, Joe down in Nashville, we miss you. We know you're drinking beers with us tonight, so we appreciate that. But uh, Chad, we've got an awesome episode here tonight. Episode 94, if you can believe that. 94. Chad, you and I started this podcast, well, (laughs) the beginning of March 2020. We recorded two episodes that nobody will ever hear. No, thank God. I was actually the like the 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 host, I guess, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that changed quickly. We recorded 
two episodes that you will never ever hear because I don't think we ever figured out how to like save them. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then here came Joe Whalen on his white horse, just saving the day, like just swooping in, making sure that we're good. So uh, it's hard to believe we've been doing this since March of 2020. We're on episode 94. We've got some huge developments and we're not going to spoil them here, but some humongous mm-hmm. developments. We are planning for episode 100, which is going to happen in January. And we can already confirm, we're not going to say who it is, but we can already confirm one of the most incredible special guests that we've ever had on the show. And we're working on other ones to make it a super mega crazy special episode. So make sure you stay tuned because we'll get working yeah. on that announcement for episode 100. But on this episode, yeah, we're really excited. Joey really, al- Joey really allows us to do what we do best. You know, it would be uh, funny, adorable, witty. He just allows us. I mean, just because he takes care of the technical work, we just, uh, you know, do our thing, Mike. Do our just, thing. Did you just call me adorable? No, I'm adorable. I don't oh. know what you are, but I'm adorable. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, here in Cleveland, we've spent a lot of time, and, and rightfully so, we've spent a lot of time on the Blue Jackets. Rightfully so. They're off to a good start to the season, and they're a ton of fun to watch. We've obviously spent a ton of times on the uh, time on the Browns uh, because it's that season. But you know what? The, the most feel-good thing that's happening in Cleveland right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this episode, for the most part, is going to be dedicated to the Cavaliers. And who better to talk Cavaliers with than one of our buddies, a guy that we've had on the show before from one of the official podcasts of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chase Down podcast. Justin Rowan is going to join us here in just a little bit, but we're going to talk about the Cavs. We're going to talk about what a hot start they're off to, the young talent, how it's all coming together. And Justin's going to give us kind of his insight as somebody who really watches as closely as anybody as to how the Cavs have been able to do this. Plus, you know, we're going to get to our garage beers of the week, our three cheers of the week, and so much more. So, Chad, bombshell episode here. This is it's huge. All right, now it's time for us to get into our favorite segment of the week. That's our Garage Beers of the Week. But we can't get into our Garage Beers of the Week without bringing in one of our favorite special guests, a returning special guest, uh, a fellow podcaster, uh, and a guy who hosts uh, one of the official podcasts from the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chase Down Pod. Uh, If you're a Cavs fan, you're on Twitter, you're on social media, you know him. His name's Justin Rome. You know Rowan. You know him as Cavs Anada because he's a Canadian Cavs fan. Justin, welcome back to the Garage Beers podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, always. Now, I, I guess this is my second time on the podcast. I had so much fun this, the first time. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy uh, that the Cavs are even better than the last time I was on. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I, I think we're uh, we're in for a good time tonight. You know, I got to tell. I got to. I, I have to let the people in on a little something with Justin Rowan here. Uh, just to one of the nicest guys. Like <laughs> I got to I got to tell you, Justin. You, you don't have to lie on the front end no because way. now no one's going to trust our analysis. They're not going to oh, trust anything no, no, no. that they hear on this podcast. Listen, when I'll they give you start things off with that. Listen, I'll give you some shit uh, if if we <laughs> if we have them some things to disagree with. You better believe we'll jump in on that. But man, just we've been talking for weeks just about what, what's when's the best time. And you just have been so flexible and so cool coming on with us. And, man, we just appreciate that. So uh, we're very excited to talk a little bit of Cavaliers basketball. 
we're excited to talk about the Chase Down podcast and what you guys, you and Carter got going on and and every all the big things happening with you guys. But obviously, before we get into all of that, we got to talk about our drinks. So, uh, Justin, <laughs> you've got a garage drink of the week. Tell us what That's that is. True. That's true. So I, I am not able to consume the gluten I used to be able to. And then uh, that kind of went out the window. So tonight I am rocking the Glendalagoo uh, whiskey. Ooh. It is an Irish whiskey. Ooh. I was actually supposed to take a tour of their facilities in March of 2020. I was supposed to land in Ooh. Ireland and on St. Patrick's Day and enjoy myself in Dublin. You might remember some things went down in March of 2020 that kind of made that not happen. But you know what? I'm still there in spirit. I am still enjoying Ireland <laughs> in spirit with this year class. So Wait. March of March of 2020, we started this podcast. Is that why you didn't go? That, that's exactly yeah. why. You know what? Like I, I wanted to make sure. I didn't know what the internet connection was going to be in those Airbnbs and everywhere right. we were. And sure. I was like, you know what? I can't. Sure. I can't be late to what's going on on the Garage Beers podcast. So I was like, you know what? We're staying in Winnipeg. Sorry, sorry, sweetheart. I, I know we're not going to get a lot of money back from this trip, but I, I have to be in town. Cancel everything. Cancel everything. Cancel everything. Cancel uh, Christmas. I gotta. I gotta wait. <laughs> To see when these guys are going to let me know that come on. Because you might think that the best time to listen to podcasts is when you're in transit. But no, I, no. I need to be home. I need to be in a meditative state. I need to be around familiar settings when I consume a podcast. I, I can't do that. You know, all the NBA teams have their own hashtags. That's going to be our hashtag. It's just hashtag cancel everything. Hashtag cancel everything. It's time for Garage Beers, baby. Uh, uh, all right. So, so what's your, uh, why do you love that whiskey so much? You know what? Um, I have started sampling different whiskeys. My buddy took me on a whiskey tasting for my uh, birthday. And this was the one at a reasonable price point, because even though we are the, uh, one of the official podcasts of the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Cavs media family, um, I am still balling uh, on a budget, a baby. I, and you know what? When I, I find something where I don't feel guilty drinking it, but it's still fantastic, I can drink it neat. That's that's the exact window that I, I want to be in. Balling on a budget. I love that. All right. <laughs> so we got a little whiskey going on north of the border. Chad, over on the east side of Cleveland, what do you got going on? Well, guys, I'm still on this uh, Sam Adams variety pack, holiday variety pack. So I'm just, just going to reach month. in and say, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess. I'm just going to reach in and, and see what I pull out here. Uh, let's see. Ooh, I like oh, that. oh, here we go. Please, God, let uh, it be the IPA again. Let it be the IPA again. Uh, no, no. Uh, unfortunately for you, Mike, it's not. We're going to go with the Holiday White Ale. There we go. A little citrusy, a little hazy. Uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, that's good. Way better than any IPA that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> there you go. Sam Adams back in the house gotta love that all right so that's gonna throw it over to me and as you can tell by my background here I'm in a beautiful Fairfield Inn and Suites in in a place that I lived for four years of my life (laughs) sorry no free advertising no free advertising sorry I know I love that too like if like 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 we know that all Fairfield Inn and Suites have just a beige wall in the back and like and a bed frame and a curtain Yes, it's very jungle room here. All right, it's very jungle <laughs> yeah. room. Uh, yeah. So I am in 
the home of my one of my alma maters, Bowling Green, Ohio, home of the Falcons. I haven't <laughs> been here. The last time I was here was nine years ago. I graduated from this place 15 years ago, which makes me want to vomit. Uh, but what doesn't make me want to vomit is they finally have a brewery in this town. It is called Bowling Green Beer Works. And I went and visited it tonight. And it's a cool place, Bowling Green Brew Works. They are beer works. They needed to have a place like this. And so what I picked up, of course, again, you know me, seasonal Mike, seasonal beers. This is a winter warmer. It's called the Mrs. Claus. It's like a Christmas spiced winter warmer type beer. Look at that. It's beautiful. It's a red okay. and brown. It's thick. Okay. Sorry, Justin. Uh, it's gluteny, so don't go oh, after that, this. That, that looks uh, that looks full of gluten, but uh, my wife is quite the beer snog. <laughs> she likes a beer that she can chew on, so that uh, that certainly looks like that falls in that category. I'll, I'll be sharing it with her a- just, after this podcast. Is done. She'll, she'll be impressed by you. Just cement mixers all holiday season. <laughs> oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah. You, you want to be able to chip a tooth on a beer, right? Like that that's what you're really going for. I asked yeah, for right. the extra gluten variety, and that's what I got here. Uh but no, Bowling Green Beer Works, really cool place. Uh it's a newer place, and the uh the Mrs. Claus winter warmer, really cool, really delicious. So we're glad to have them on the Garage Beers podcast for the first time. So, Chad, you got your Sam Adams variety pack. I got the bowling green beer works. And then the whiskey up for Justin, north of the border. Love that. Those are our garage beer slash drinks of the week. Get online. Tell us what your garage beers of the week are. And as always, if you want us to try a certain beer, if you want us to go find something, we will go find or a whiskey or a bourbon or a tequila even. We'll go Mm. check it out. Uh, I'm pretty sure the last time I was on, I I was uh, sporting a tequila. So this time I I changed it up and, and went whiskey. I appreciate you for that. That's I was thinking that when there I said we go. that. Uh, Variety. Online. It's the spice of life, man. It, it really is. I agree. <laughs> uh, get online to uh, The Garage Beers. Let us know what you're drinking. Give us some suggestions, and we'll go try them out. But, boys, uh, uh, to the listener, we say cheers. To you guys, I say cheers. And now it's time. Episode 94. And, and it's time for us to do something that we just need to do. And that is we need to just take Canadian some time. football. Canadian football. That's what we got to talk about, Mike. Canadian <laughs> yeah. football. Well, go on, Chad. Lead us off. Then lead us off if that's let's, how you want to start it. But ju- let's, let's, get anybody, some, uh, let's get a great cup preview going from you. Like, this I, I, is I was, what I'm I, here for. Break it yeah, down, I was going to say, you know, Justin, you're a huge Blue Bomber fan. We learned this the first time we had you on. And the Blue Bombers are back in the Grey Cup. And, you know, this is coming off a season where, the, you know, they, they weren't sure if Canadian, if, if the CFL was coming back, you know, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the season, man? Two little, uh, two, two, two very different paths to the Grey Cup, uh, Hamilton and Winnipeg took. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts going into it? Uh, still a little stressed. I, I mean, <laughs> even though we are technically the defending champions, uh, there was not a 2020 season for the CFL, but uh, we beat Hamilton in 2019. Uh, you have a great cup in Hamilton once again against Hamilton. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. Uh, obviously, a really fun season from my perspective because I'm a season ticket holder and we have not lost a home game since September of 2019. Uh, It was a really good year. We won the Western Conference Finals, a very stressful Western Conference Finals where it was freezing cold. uh, And, you know, freezing cold, blowing snow, 
game, anything can happen. And uh, we basically had a Browns versus Steelers Western Conference final, uh, Winnipeg <laughs> versus Saskatchewan. Winnipeg had five turnovers and still found a way to win. Oh, five turnovers and still found a way to win. Uh, one of the, the, the opening drive concluded with one of our receivers catching a wide open touchdown in the end zone, but slipping on ice and throwing the ball up in the air and having that be intercepted. No. <laughs> our second drive, a fumble on the one yard line that was returned to the 10 yard line of Winnipeg. And that's and like 300 yards down the field. It really the way, is. Like it, it is just a staggering number of yards. <laughs> it was a very stressful game. It was freezing cold. Uh, I was fortunate enough. Uh, just so happened that Lucky Whitehead, who uh, former Dallas Cowboy, uh, New York Jet, uh, and 2019 Winnipeg Blue Bomber champion, uh, was sitting next to us the entire game. So that, that was a lot of fun. Just one of those nice. weird coincidences that seems to happen in, in the CFL. But you know what? We're going back. I'm feeling good about the chances. And uh, I think Sunday is going to be a, a rough night on my liver. <laughs> now, now uh, two, I guess two other questions. Are you headed there? Are you headed to the Great yeah. Cup to go watch it? Nope. No, no. Uh, I, I mean, first of all, Hamilton, that, that's that's your first strike against it. And second, there's not even really the normal Grey Cup festivals uh, with COVID and whatnot. Uh, so it's kind of a, a scaled down Grey Cup. So not not worth it. And once again, like I, I, I I've struggled to do the road game CFL because I, I know if they lose. I might get into a scrap and, and that's, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of upside with that. What? It's not a, it's not a great look. I'm a sore loser. Uh, Feisty, though, Justin. Even though most of my sports experience has been my team's losing, it's just, especially when it's football and you're going there to see organized violence, you're, if it doesn't go the way you want, if the violence doesn't break the way that you were hoping for, you just want more violence. And, and that's just not, not where I want to be at this I'm, point in my life. I'm so thrown by this. this, is, this <laughs> Justin, this is very anti-Canadian of you. Like I imagine, I imagine if you're on the road, if you're on the road and your team loses, you thank the home team and then you leave. Very so you Canadian stuff. That's the Canadian we'll stereotype. But we are more of the scrap and have a handshake after. <laughs> that, oh, gotcha. That's, that's the gotcha. real Canada. I don't know if you guys have seen Letter Kenny, but that actually does happen where people walk into a bar and just kind of go awesome. table to table. Hey, do you want to have a fight? Do you want to have a fight? You want to have a fight? No, if you're not in the mood, you're not in the mood. But you can go have a scrap in the parking lot, come back in, uh, winner buys the other guy a drink, you know, good sportsmanship. And, and that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> Canada is a weird place. Shake. You just you just made my night saying that Letter <laughs> Kenny like actually happens. You just absolutely <laughs> made my night. Oh, my if God. You, if you're in the right areas, if you're in rural Ontario and Manitoba, the Canadian prairies, that's uh, it's not far off. There is way too much accuracy in that television <laughs> show. Oh, man. Well, I guess the, my other question was, uh, you know, you mentioned the festivals. That was my other question. You know, we know everybody in the States knows about the Super Bowl, but what's like some of the pageantry and like what it, what's what are some of the differences between the Super Bowl and the Grey Cup? Wait, this time out. Going, time out. Niche. Time out. Time out, too, because I want to know the answer to that. But I want to go just because they're called festivals. <laughs> Let's just go. to We're going to the Grey Cup festivals. What do we do? We're like, well, oh, let's go to the tailgate. Usually, I'm like, uh, it's festivals. usually November, right? November in Canada. It's a little different. Like even even though the Super Bowl is in what? February, January, yeah. February. Uh, you're usually in Miami. You, what, what is February in Miami? It's uh, July in Winnipeg, right? Uh, no, it's it's typically like you get a few 
great cup legends you get fans from all over the country come in uh into town they, they usually have some sort of festivities things for kids and all that kind of stuff uh it, it's a good time you know uh you usually kind of showing off a lot of that local flavor a lot of local beers lo- local businesses and whatnot kind of get their boots and that city kind of gets their uh their moment in the sun so it, it's a good time uh there was a great cup in winnipeg maybe five or six years ago that uh i got to attend as media you know it's it, it's a good time these kids running around like, hey, you want to get in the scrap and then check out my Hot Wheels collection? <laughs> That's exactly what it is, man. <laughs> there's, there's different tiers, right? Like it, It's like weight classes, only for ages of Canadian boys. And, and that's what it is. You, they just you section them off, let them fight it out, and after that, they're in the mood for a good football game. So let's, uh, for, like for one second, and then we're getting to the Cavs. Your team's playing in, in the Super Bowl, essentially, this weekend. Yes. So... So what's the weekend look like for you? What is what's what's that what's that day look like for you? What are you going to be doing? I am going to do the exact same thing as 2019, which is hosting a big potluck at my place. Everybody prepares a dish. We come. We have drinks. It's a good time and hope that it turns out <laughs> the same way as last time, because I've I've had some sad Grey Cup festivals in, in my uh, in my life. I've had some sad Grey Cup appearances. Uh, Winnipeg has been in quite a few times. Uh, obviously ending the drought in 2019. Um, the, the second time I've seen a very lengthy drought and in my time as a sports fan and, you know, back-to-back champs is not something I've experienced before, but I'm very excited to, to have the opportunity to experience that. Now you don't fight each other, do you? Like, like you get pissed at each other and just not fight anymore. you? Like- no, no, okay. you know, we're, right. we're, we're out of college now. We're not, we're, we're, we're out of wrong. college now. I, okay. I, I've put a couple of my friends into drywall before. And, uh, that, <laughs> Jesus. But now we, most of us are married. Some of us have kids. We're, we're, we're past that. Now, now we just bu- make dishes for each other. <laughs> the blue bombers throw an interception. Your wife just slugs you right in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm uh, have, the, have this potato salad, you fucker. <laughs> you, <laughs> you also have to remember that we're broadcasting this from Cleveland. So you're sitting over here talking about, oh, yeah, we just we've had a lot of these in my time. And I'm sitting here like, imagine if we were in one Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be cool if we got the one? Could thing, be fun. One, Could I be want, fun. I want a potluck. I want a potluck at some point in my life. Uh, Hey, listen, Justin, best of luck to you. Best of luck to the blue bombers. And hopefully your liver survives and you have a good time. (laughs) So let's talk about these Cavaliers, these Cleveland Cavaliers who as of tonight uh, now sit at 14 and 12 on the season. They have just absolutely steamrolled the Chicago bulls. 115 to 92. That happened just before we started to broadcast or uh, to, to record here tonight. Uh, and this Cavaliers team is, I keep waiting, maybe because I'm a Cleveland fan, Justin, and maybe because I'm a, I'm just built this way. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that shoe to drop where it's like, ah, uh, here comes the 12 game losing streak. And this is going to be <laughs> like, I don't see it coming with this team. Like I don't, it, they're taking on good teams, right? Chicago came into this game 17 and eight one of the best records in the NBA. And I know they didn't have DeMar DeRozan playing, Yeah, but they big, didn't have big a chance. Factor. Even if DeMar DeRozan did play, they had no chance in this game. From, from about the middle of the first quarter on, I watched the game. They had no chance. This Cavaliers team was spectacular for like the fifth time in the last six games. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing that's really striking to me. Like, if you look at the Chicago game and you look at Miami, full disclosure, I haven't watched the Chicago game just yet. I'm going to watch it after this podcast. You know what? I like to be honest about what I'm talking about. But, like, you look throughout the season, right, and you're talking about a starting lineup that is under the age of 22. That never wins in the NBA. Like, youth and inexperience never wins in the NBA. Right now, there are three teams in the NBA. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors, and Utah Jazz. They are the only teams that haven't lost by more than 15 points in a single game. They have been in every single game, and this is only the third time this season that they've played a team with a below 500 record. They have by far the hardest strength of schedule up to this point in the season, and you can say... They're probably better than their record when you factor that in. This is a top five defense despite being this young. That never happens. After Basically, after this next week is done, they have the easiest schedule in the NBA. So even if there's some regression coming, you're probably going to be in those games because you still have an elite defense and you still like it's going to be a lower level of competition. They've managed to stick around with the Brooklyn Nets and Golden State Warriors without Evan Mobley. That should not be possible. Like they were missing so many guys like the 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 most striking thing to me is the consistency, because even when we had LeBron. Regular season games, you had no idea how it was going to go. You could lose to the Pacers by 45 on a random Friday in the regular season. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are coming out and they're taking care of business. They they are undefeated as a favorite this season, which, I mean, 3-0, that's not really saying a whole lot. But they're saying something. It is saying something, right? Yeah. But like, it's not the largest sample size, but like they have consistently competed against the spread. They've been in every single game. And when you look at how young this team is, that's basically unheard of. Like there are no real recent examples of a team this young being this good outside of ridiculous comparisons like uh, the OKC Thunder. Like and and they had three form or three (laughs) soon to be MVPs like it's kind of hard to stay grounded like I, i'm generally an optimistic guy but it's hard to stay grounded and realistic when you are experiencing this level of success this early in the process so take it back to the off season then justin uh you know going uh, coming into this past off season you you kind of really had no idea the direction that this team was going you're like what yeah. all right all right pick a direction and go what where where are we going with this roster and then you know you draft Evan Mobley. You sign and trade for Lowry Markkinen. You just you just sign Taco. Fall, you, you just you like, like you go, oh you're like oh you're seven foot here. You want to come play for the Cavs? <laughs> you belong. So, I, so they just decided to go long and, mm-hmm. and athletic. I mean, really against the grain of what the NBA is like today. What were your? Did you have any idea that they would be this good? Like, what were your thoughts going into this season after like clearly seeing the direction that they actually picked and went? Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, I I think I was on the optimistic side of the spectrum. Like my my official prediction was 36 wins, which I was like, you know what? They might have a chance at kind of that 9-10 seed, right? They're better than that. And like, I'm always kind of concerned because like for me. I'm an optimist. I'm trying to like when I'm I'm doing the podcast, I'm trying to give people reasons to listen because I want people to continue to listen to my podcast. It's not that I'm trying to shill for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I want my podcast to be successful. I'm a selfish Wait, creature. Is that what we're supposed to do? 
<laughs> Son of a bitch. Give give people reasons to listen, right? But like for me, I'm I'm trying to find interesting things, right? Like when something goes wrong, what are the practical steps forward? What are realistic expectations you can have here versus dwelling on it? So when you look at the Cavs this offseason, it's okay. I was pretty confident that they were better than their record last season because they just had a staggering number of injuries and they almost all occurred at the same time. I looked at something like in April of last year, those last 15 games, Darius Garland averaging 21 points and seven assists. If that could be a new baseline for him, that is like that's substantial. That could make a big difference. That has come to fruition. That's what we're seeing from Darius Garland. Um, There were a few kind of hit or miss things, right? Where, moving Larry Nance Jr. for Laurie Markkinen. I think a lot of people looked at that and said, okay, you just traded your best defender for someone that's been a liability on that end. And for my perspective, though, the way I've looked at it is, Evan Mobley is actually the one that has to go out there and replace what Larry was doing. Well, Evan Mobley needs to be that power forward, that defensive anchor. He needs to be that guy. And Laurie's just going to provide spacing. And the way I viewed it was he's actually going to be the one that replaces Kevin Love because we probably can't rely on Kevin Love to be healthy, to be productive, to be bought in if he's coming in off the bench. And what's occurred is Mobley's way better than anyone had any right to expect. I mean, I was high on him. I thought he had a chance to be the best player in this draft. But him being like the best defensive rookie since Kevin Garnett, yeah. there, there's no there's no logical reason to expect any young player to be that good. Ricky Rubio has been fantastic. Laurie Markkinen uh, contributing at the small forward position, playing out of position and playing defense, doing all the little things. Kevin Love accepting playing 20 minutes a night, coming in off the bench, healthy. I, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I don't think it was his choice last season. I think he just flat out wasn't healthy. He wasn't healthy with Team USA either. But he's coming in off the bench, and he's playing out of his mind. Like, he, he's healthy. He's productive. He, he's contributing in smaller sample size. Like, every single gamble that they took hit. And that's the biggest reason in my eyes why this team is so far ahead of schedule. It's amazing to me to watch. My, my favorite thing about this Cavaliers team is you'll have nights it's it's there's it's it's so deep and i didn't you didn't expect it it's so deep and you didn't expect it you know laurie marketing didn't start this year great he started a little slow he's playing fantastic he's playing out of his mind right now but jenny osman was awful last year and he's turned into one of the most like one of the best value contracts in the nba like he's a really valuable part of what they're doing i think i think if the Cavs like actually play the way that they're playing and, and, and now really are able to excel in the second half or not second half, but this part of where, where their schedule gets easier. I think you're talking about a guy that may get looks at sec, a six man of the year in Jetty Osman. And, and Kevin's going to have to fight Ricky Rubio and Kevin love for that. Like, yeah, they, they well, pro, like they're in a similar situation in Utah jazz last year where Utah had Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson as candidates and i i think when you have two of those guys on a team it kind of like cannibalizes some of those votes but realistically speaking you probably have two candidates for most improved player in darius garland and jared allen you probably have a couple six man of the year uh guys in ricky rubio jetty osman uh maybe even kevin love yeah uh, if he continues producing like this and you probably have the rookie of the year in evan mobley like yeah. This is a really, really good spot to be in. And like it's I said the OKC Thunder, but the more realistic comparison might be. And this is crazy. But the Golden State Warriors, 
where you had Steph Curry those first couple of years, he wasn't fully healthy. It created the opportunity to add more young talent. And I think you're seeing a very similar thing with Darius Garland, who Steph kind of kind of pegged as the next star up and comer in the league, someone in that same mold. Uh, but Garland, like coming off that meniscus injury and, and surgery in college, wasn't really ready for his rookie year. The The breakout came later in his second year, but even though he had that breakout, everyone else was out of the lineup, so the wins weren't there. And all of a sudden, you add this generational talent in Evan Mobley, and now you have at least a core three of Garland, Mobley, and Allen that you feel great about. You also have high upside guys in Colin Sexton, who was scoring like an all-star last year. Uh, Isaac Okoro, who's raw offensively, but ridiculously good for 20 years old defensively. Larry Markkinen, who's under 25 years old. Like, And you own all of your future picks. Like, this is a really, really healthy position to be in. You don't want to, like, pull the trigger on the wrong guy and whatnot. But, like, you're in a position to build something that's sustainable and really, really, really good. You brought up a couple uh, a couple guys that I want to talk about. First of all, you're going to go watch this game uh, with the Bulls. And I think what you're going to see is one of Isaac Okoro's best games, mm-hmm. even though stats aren't going to jump off. Right. He shot the ball seven times. He was four of seven shooting the ball. Uh, which is cool. Oh, oh, for one for three, but you're going to see him make a couple plays. And all of a sudden I'm watching Isaac Okoro tonight going, this is, this is the only way I want to see this guy play. He mm-hmm. is, he's making good. He's like making smart passes. Uh, and if he could be a guy that just kind of is, he's, he's not a shooter yet. I don't yeah. know if he's ever going to be a shooter. He's not one yet. And that is what it is. That doesn't mean don't take shots. If you're wide open, it just means right now, maybe let's not make him a guy that gets the ball in his hands with three seconds left on the shot clock, right? Like that's not a great spot for him to be in, but he made a couple passes tonight to wide open cutting players. There was one towards the end of the game that he made to Lowry. That was just an incredible pass and just smart. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so you're going to watch him uh, and I think you'll come away impressed, but that all just to me goes back to the depth. You talked about Colin Sexton. He was scoring at an all-star level last year. Yeah, he wasn't doing that this year, but it was better. It was I want to see eighteen to twenty point Colin Sexton as opposed to thirty point Colin Sexton. I I want to see that. Sorry sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. That he got hurt at the time he did because yes, he was still at the normal usage rate that he has been throughout his career. Like it was twenty six percent. He was still the Cavs leading score. But he was playing off ball. He was never stopping the ball. He was contributing defensively. Yes. He, was, he was giving the ball up, even though it wasn't going to result in an assist. It wasn't just a driving kick. It's OK, like, let's play within the flow of the offense and whatnot. Uh, I think the biggest factor of his scoring being down was he just wasn't hitting threes. But we've seen him start cold from three before and, and kind of figure out that shot selection. Like, I, I really do think and it's one of the exciting things about the Cavs is Next season, in all likelihood, you're probably adding a very good score to this mix. Someone that fit in really well. And like, I, I know people are looking at kind of these recent wins and whatnot and being like, well, they're doing this without Colin Sexton. And they were winning with him. Like yes. when, when he got hurt, they were in the yeah. midst of blowing out the New York Knicks. 
Like they had already had some really quality wins under the belt. They even had a quality win over the Hawks without Darius Garland. Like they have won without Sexton. They won without Garland. They won without Mo or I guess they haven't won without Mobley. But you know what? They were very competitive against the Warriors and the Nets without Mobley. They were very competitive against the Phoenix Suns without Mobley. And if a couple calls go a different way, you could have won one of those games. Like they've won games without Jared Allen. Like this is a very good deep team that's well coached that's bought into the system and I, I'm excited like yeah may, maybe now there's a new dynamic with Garland having this breakout but I still think you can integrate Colin Sexton into that like the, the, you having another score doesn't make you worse it's a funny thing too because we went from last year to last year the conversation was they need shooters they need guys yeah. that can put the ball in the hoop nobody's saying that anymore <laughs> shooters abound right yeah between between Mobley and Garland and marketing and Kevin Love Kevin Love deserves every bit of praise and credit every bit of it mm-hmm. Kevin Love was slowly if you were paying attention to like Cavs Twitter Kevin Love's Kevin Love was slowly turning into like a pariah in Cleveland people yeah. didn't like Kevin Love he was not performing to the way his contract was set up and people were taking offense to that essentially. Yeah. And all of a sudden this dude comes out and he's like, put me on the bench, put me in for 20 minutes. I'm going to have the best time of my life. This dude is having the best time of his (laughs) life. Look at him out there. Look at him on the bench. Look at him laughing with his teammates and his, and his, and his coaches. Kevin Love is having the best time of his life out there right now. It just, it is so stunning to me. That's that's it's the word I just keep going back to. It's stunning. Yeah. From what they went from last year, which remember they started pretty good last year. They were entertaining at the beginning of last year yep. before all the injuries hit. Uh, but from what we saw last year to this year, it is stunning the way that this team, what Kobe Altman was able to do, what JB Bickerstaff has been able to do coaching this team. They're playing well defensively. They're playing well often. They are just, it is stunning to me. It is my favorite story of the year so far. It's ridiculous. Like, I would have sounded like a lunatic if I predicted everything that's happened. Right. Like, especially if I said they did it without Sexton. Like, if I said Sexton has a season-ending injury 12 games into this year, that, like, if you told me that, I'm writing them off like I'm like, you know what? Like, I think they can be competitive in some games. I I think they can be better than last season, but probably your chances of the play in are a little more slim because this is better Eastern Conference. And Kevin Love, like we we had Martin Rickman on on the podcast last year um, after the offseason. And he was talking about the feature he did with Colin Sexton, where he spent time with Sexton, with his family and whatnot. And one of the things he brought up was. Love and Sexton talk on the phone all the time, like after games throughout the offseason, like Love was being that mentor to him. And obviously, like when Sexton first got here, the veterans, whether it be Nance, Love, whoever was there, like they, they they were upset with how kind of far behind the learning curve he was like, hey, we just went from contending to this really raw rookie. And Love was really buying into that leadership. Yeah, obviously, he's had missteps and he's owned up to those. But 
last season, like I, I think it was really just he was not able to be healthy. It was the first year they were competitive and he wasn't healthy enough to be on the court after being healthy in 1920. Like th- that sucked for him. So like the, the fact that he's all the way bought in, it doesn't matter how many minutes he gets. He's just going out there and contributing like that. That's a real feather in his cap. And, and it's also refreshing because you look at how things ended with almost every member of the 2016 title team in Cleveland, like championship teams when they get disassembled it's never pretty but it still kind of sucks as a fan right like when you see that it doesn't sure. end well or J.R. Right. smith's not happy or, especially in or, cleveland <laughs> or, or kyrie's asking out lebron's going to la to, it was the to, worst. Make, to, to make space jam and get a higher lottery pick than the Cavs did that first year like that was bleak stuff man like that that really sucked ty Lu uh not lasting long in into his first year without lebron like None of that worked out. So for this, I, I don't know if Kevin Love's even going to last this whole season. You never know. Like, hey, maybe he's playing well and he gets an opportunity to get traded to a contender and and kind of finish out his career somewhere else. Like, if that's what he wants, sure. Or if that's what's available at Cows, maybe they look into that. But the fact that it's ending on better terms where he's happy, healthy, bought in, and at least while he's here, like really contributing on and off the court, that's a great thing. Like I, as a fan, that that warms my heart. So you saw them like you've brought it up a few times. You saw them go toe to toe with the Warriors mm-hmm. in a game. They really should have won uh, that game against the Warriors. You saw them go toe to toe. I was at the game in Cleveland against the Nets. Uh, the second one uh, that really, they probably should have won, but they just didn't have the firepower at the end. And you know, what can you do when Kevin Durant just starts making shots? You just can't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, even the game two nights ago, the we just watched them you go don't. on this. We just watched them go on this three-game road trip where they destroyed everybody. They destroyed Dallas and Miami, uh, and who was the third team? Washington. Yeah. Uh, uh, all teams over five hundred. It's the first time they've done that in forever. Uh, they lose to Utah, but they come back from fifteen points down in the fourth quarter. Chetty Osman basically ends Utah's. Like Jetty Osman strikes fear into the whole state of Utah in that game. And then for me, the game, the game that I thought was great was the last one against Milwaukee. That's that to me, I'm watching that game and I go, okay, this is the team that is built. Obviously they were built first. So I don't mean they were built around the Cavs, but this is the (laughs) team, the way they are built to give the Cavs the hardest time. Because the Cavs' size advantage does not matter against Milwaukee because they're all no. big. All yeah. of them are big. That is a humongous team, and they're all skilled. And, man, they needed they needed Giannis to be hitting threes. Not even good shots. They weren't even good and shots. And Giannis doesn't hit threes. <laughs> Giannis was just pulling up and hitting threes, but they needed that to beat the Cavs. The Cavs? That dude might be the best player in the NBA now. Like, it's it's weird that we're... If he's hitting threes. I am grateful that the era of LeBron that's no longer the best, most feared player in the league, that it's not happening while he's in a Cavs jersey. Like, that's kind of nice. But that's like true. You, look, you look at Giannis, you look at Jokic, like, the, those guys, I, I think they've passed him man. and KD too. Like uh, it's yeah. LeBron's still probably top five, but it, it's unbelievable. But yeah, you look at that bucks game. That is by definition, a schedule loss. That is your third game in a third city in four nights. 
that that's a schedule loss like especially for a team that is missing guys like missing your former leading scorer in Colin Sexton uh Darius Garland like they were clearly gassed they did not have it but the defense was so good that they were able to hang around in that game and keep it competitive like that is not the sort of thing that every contender does forget a team this young so like I I think a lot of credit has to go to JB Bickerstaff um for getting this team prepared every single night but a lot of credit also has to go to the young guys like someone like Darius Garland that was helping organize all these team get-togethers and getting before training camp getting into town two weeks early to have a camp before camp because you understand that you're going to be a young team and you need that chemistry you need to be clicking on a different level if you're going to be competitive against these more experienced teams it's a level of buy-in from top to bottom and I mean, for a team like Cleveland, like it was never boring. There, there's always weird stuff going on, even when they sucked. Like the, there was tons of stuff to discuss, which is great from a so content weird. perspective. It's great from a content perspective, like doing a podcast. Right. Like sure. absolutely, there's always sure. someone's throwing soup. Some like something's going on. Jesus. Like you, you never know, right? But for this team to kind of be like just take care of business and, and to be this good, this young, like. It's weird. It's a it's a different experience, and for me, it's a lot of fun. Do you think J.R. Smith has thrown soup on his golf coach yet? His college, his college golf <laughs> <Yeah>. coach. <laughs> Not soup, but I'm trying okay. to think what would be available after the ninth. <laughs> well, just a straight hot North, dog. Just a, yeah, in the North Carolina, probably, there has probably been a projectile hot dog at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the cart girl is bringing the snacks, and J.R. is like, "No, screw you! Take these Cheetos, oh. man." So uh, you just talked about, you just touched on it a little bit, Justin, you know, going forward, where would you like, where would you like to see this team uh, keep growing and improve? mm -hmm. And and the others, and also what are some of your concerns as far as a regression goes? So I don't know if my concerns about regression are really present. Like I'm expecting inconsistency because once again, this team is young. Like I know it hasn't happened yet, but odds are, if you look at, kind of a historical standpoint that's going to happen like you, you hit a rookie wall that might happen to Evan Mobley like Darius Garland might go in a shooting slump right so that yeah. sort of thing I'm not too concerned about like you know you're you're young go out there make mistakes learn from it right. uh, learn how to close all all that experience is valuable I think my biggest concern is like kind of weighing when you have a young core that's this ahead of schedule you might want to accelerate things. And that was one of the things we discussed on the podcast with Dave DeFore is like finding that balance. Like the fact that Garland, Mobley and Allen are so hard ahead of schedule. You see it with the fan base. Like there's a little less patience for Isaac Okoro, who's 20 years old. He's been in the league for about a calendar year. Right. And he's on a normal development curve. Like you look at Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler didn't average double digit points in his career until he's 24 years old. Okoro's 20. Like these things take time. Everyone's on a different developmental curve. So my concern is like when you do kind of consolidate some assets, when you do take advantage of the fact that you own all your future picks or you maybe move some of your young guys to add a fourth to kind of that core three, finding the right guy, finding the right opportunity to do that is really important because we've seen teams that felt that they were ahead of schedule like the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic is so much better than any rookie has any right to be. So we're going to go out and get Kristaps Porzingis and we're going to give a bunch of picks and we're going to give young players and we're going to like go all in on this. 
that's the kind of mistake that can make a real big difference that can damage your ability. Like I saw the ESPN fake trade for Damian Lillard uh, for the Cavs, which is weird. Like I don't really understand that. Um, But that's a guy on the wrong side of 30. You'd be tying up your first round picks for the next four years. And like, let's be honest, like Damian Lillard, he's dealing with this abdominal pain. He might need surgery on it. He's talked about dealing with it the last four years, really bothering him now. Seems to be bothered by the rule changes as well, where, yeah, a guy that hasn't been able to get by players the last couple of years, all of a sudden defenders are allowed to be a little more physical and he's struggling. Like you look at his numbers and this is insane to say, but Garland's been better this year. And I yeah. know this is to pair them together, but going all in on a guy on the wrong side of 30 when Evan Mobley's still in his rookie year, like I think if you're going to make a consolidating move, it needs to be someone that can grow with this team. So I, I think finding that balance, striking, kind of figuring out how to weigh the present with also still keeping your options available for the future is going to be the, the biggest test for Kobe Altman and the Cavs. Now, is that now when you say that is, are you thinking as far as this year goes? Or are you mm-hmm. thinking as far as like the next like two or three years? I, I, I think it's a little bit this year, right? Because it's, yeah. you talk about, okay, we want to go out and we want to add a star. That's great to say, but that player has to become available. So you never know when that's going to happen. The, the two names I, I throw out because they are on the right side of 25 and they fit are Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown. If Boston or New Orleans puts one of those guys on the market, I think you get aggressive as hell and try to bring him in. If not, maybe you look for something smaller. Maybe you look to add a Tory Craig from Indiana or uh, Justin Holiday, someone that, you know, can take some pressure off of Isaac Okoro and the other young wings, like another option there, help you manage some injuries, keep the young guys in position where, hey, because we have this veteran, we're going to be in more close games even when we struggle. And that's going to give Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and these guys the opportunity to either win or lose in a close game. And I, I think win or lose, that's valuable experience, right? Like you learn how to close. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the teams that the Cavs haven't been able to close against are like Warriors, Jazz, Suns, like all, all these teams right. that have a ton of experience, right? Like that doesn't come from just like some sort of clutch gene or something that Skip Bayless is going to pitch. Like, <laughs> That is experience. Bitch was the right word. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's, an, that's an experience thing, right? So someone that's going to help keep them in those situations, I, I think there's a value in that. So it's kind of knowing when to keep your powder dry and when to go out there and actually, you know, make a move. And, and some of that's determined by the league and, and what opportunities present themselves. And others are, you know, this patience. Like uh, accepting the fact that Isaac Okoro is going to struggle some nights, but the lineup still works overall. Uh, you brought up the Pacers, and the the report came out today that the Pacers are pretty much willing to deal everybody. And <laughs> yeah. in my head, I thought Cavs can go get Demonis Sabonis. He's six eleven, which means he's the <laughs> shooting guard. He's yeah. the, he'd be the second shortest guy in the starting lineup. <laughs> so put him at shooting guard and let's go. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, the indie thing's interesting. I, I don't think there's a lot of fits there. Like, 
if if an opportunity the tricky thing is you have to match salary right like because the Cavs do right. have a pretty substantial payroll right now and outside of the guys that are under 25 your three big salaries are Ricky Rubio Jetty Osmond and Kevin Love and Jetty Osmond's contract isn't that big like, I think it's reportedly around seven million or something in that yeah, range yeah. So when you're talking about a $17 million player in Karis LeVert or guys up in the 30s or low 20s like Miles Turner, that's tricky to do that salary matching. So if someone like a LeVert is available for Kevin Love in second round picks, yeah, you probably entertain that. But if they want Ricky Rubio or they want Isaac Okoro or Colin Sexton and that sort of thing, I don't have a lot of interest in a a guy that's kind of never been able to stay healthy, that kind of, you know, like – not a strong three-point shooter either. Uh, like he does some three-point shooting well, but hasn't been great this year. Like I'm not going out and, and doing that. But what I do look at is guys like Tory Craig, Justin Holiday, uh, Jeremy Lamb, like the guys further yes. down the rotation that you know might be available for some of your kind of smaller contracts, like a Denzel Valentine, Lamar Stevens. Um, talk, I guess not Taco Fall because he's on a two-way deal. Uh, but you know, you like do the, not the guy, get rid of him. No, and, and he, he's he, getting a ring this year. Let's go. He, I, I mean, he doesn't even have a, a real cast contract, right? Like it's a two-way. It doesn't even help for salary matching. Um, but you MVP. know, like. If you can get someone like that, I think that's kind of the the move in the margins that that could help. Like just you know one more wing. You can never have too many, especially you. You look right now, how many teams are missing a ton of guys with COVID? Like how yeah. many teams are dealing with injuries? Like Cavs certainly know what that can do to a team. Yeah, one more warm body that that can do some stuff and, and take some pressure <laughs> off the young guys. I, I think uh, w- would be a welcome addition in my books. <laughs> Come do some stuff. I, 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 here's what I want. Here's what I want this. Uh, I want to boil something down real quick. We've talked about Isaac Kokoro. You have been, especially on Twitter, I've seen you pretty vocal on keeping, trying to keep people that are talking to you about Isaac Kokoro pretty realistic about the situation with Isaac Kokoro. Again, the dude's not, uh, he's not a polished, ready to go offensive player at this point. He's not. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So when you watch Isaac Okoro, because I've got a player in my head that I think, man, if this, if he could just get to this point, Mm -hmm. this is what I want this kid to look like. He's not going to be, people have to get out of their head. This isn't a guy you took to be a guy that's going to carry your team offensively. He's probably never going to be one of the top offensive weapons uh, for a team. That's okay. When you look at Isaac Okoro, and you and you think about his development and what he can become. Mm-hmm. What do you envision? Uh, Without being I mean, like super sunshine and butterflies. And yeah, rainbows, like, like I, realistically, what do you think he can become? What I'd hope for is like a seventy percent Jimmy Butler, right? Like where, yeah, it's not a consistent three point shot, but you know he goes out there. Um, he can hit the auto one, the auto open one, uh, can bully some guys physically, really good defensively. You know, you're getting consistent effort on, from him on a night to night basis. And like cards on the table, I, I'm not the highest on Isaac Coro. Like I felt pretty strongly that last year's draft class was one of the worst since maybe 2002. Like it's it's not great. Like the, the only guy really behind him that's actually proven to be anything is Tyrese Halliburton. And he's a guard. Right. Like, 
how, how do you think people would have felt if Kobe Altman drafted another guard? Like they, they were livid that they even <laughs> had a Ricky Rubio. Like that, that, that was definitely a sore spot for Cavs fans, right? So when you look at Isaac Okoro, like I just don't see the downside of giving him these reps because you know next year, like if he doesn't do anything with these, you have Colin Sexton coming back. You You have options. Like you can fill out a rotation pretty well. At the very least, you know he's going to be a good defender. If he, if the offensive game doesn't come around, he's probably like a Matisse Thibel on Philly, who, who's still a, a valuable contributor on a contender, right? Like, yeah, you did draft him high, but just wasn't a strong draft outside of a couple players. And he's a hard worker, buys in, kind of contributes. The, the lineups with him work well. Like, the, the way I'd frame it is, on Isaac Okora Island, I am not confident enough to build, but I do own some land. You know, like I, I think there might be a value to it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not pouring a foundation maybe, just yet. I, 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 maybe I a timeshare. Maybe I, a timeshare. Yeah, you know, like I, 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 I don't know. It's a nice pool. What's hurricane season like on Okora Island? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what, what, what kind of conditions do I need to prepare for? It, it's all a mystery to me. But like, I. I it's, He's still a, a worthwhile guy, and especially someone with a work ethic like that. I, I think people forget just how awful Colin Sexton was his first 30 games in year two. Like, yes. He started, I think he had about five good games where he was hitting some threes, and then he basically went two months hitting one three. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I, I think it was around 11% over that stretch. It was just awful. And then he had a breakout year, like uh, the the clock hit 2020 and he started playing fantastic. And then that year got cut short with the pandemic. But like he was fantastic. And that translated to the following season. And you felt completely different about it. So I'm not in the business of writing off 20 year olds. And the, the way I, I frame it really is like a lot of the times the conversations we're having about these guys are what I call second contract conversations where a guy is going into that stage where, Hey, we have to extend this guy. So we have to figure out exactly how he fits in, how valuable he is. Let's put a monetary value to it. You don't have to do that in a player's first three, four years. Like at the end of the fourth year. Yeah. Or maybe even after the third, if they're playing like Darius Garland and you just want to lock a guy up to an extension and you feel great about it. But you have that time to figure it out. So just because Evan Mobley and Darius Garland and Jared Allen are ahead of schedule doesn't mean we have to rush the conversation with Okoro. You can vocalize concerns, but like when I, when I was tweeting about it the other night, someone had said he should be out of the rotation. No. I don't see the value in that. No. That starting lineup is still working with him, and you have invested draft capital in this guy, and if he's not tanking the lineups... But give you him also, the reps. Give him the reps. So if Sexton's out for the year, this is the perfect opportunity yeah. to see what you have to test that out. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, you do have another option in Sexton. You can go out and add a veteran shooting guard if you don't like either of those guys. Like the world is your oyster. Just don't give up on young players too yes. soon. Look at Lonzo yeah. Ball in Chicago. That is a perfect example. Yes. Of two franchises gave up on him. New Orleans Pelicans moved him for Sadoransky, uh, Garrett Temple, and a second round pick what a terrible that move. is horrid 
That is horrid. And that is in the last two months. Like, don't give up on young players too soon, especially ones that contribute well in some ways that do some things well. Like if Isaac Okoro was as good offensively as he is defensively, none of us would have an issue with it. But because he'd also be an all star. Yeah, it would be because defense doesn't show up in the stat sheet. We have a tougher time quantifying that. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend defense is half the game. I understand you play half of the game there, but let's be honest. Great offensive players catch shots over great defenders all the time. Offense matters more. Defense is for nerds unless it's Evan Mobley doing it or Jared Allen doing it. But it still helps you win games. And and he's still kind of that low usage guy that makes that starting lineup work. I'm okay giving him some reps. And you know what? We're not going to play the Utah Jazz and Milwaukee Bucks every single night. And he's probably going to look a little better when you play a below 500 team of which they've played two through 26 games. That is absurd. That should not be understated. Like they are going to play worse teams and he's probably going to look better against those teams too. Yeah. You're winning and competitive. So it's not really a liability as long as those two things are happening. Right. Yeah. Like, (laughs) <laughs> if if I told you before the season, hey, we should bench a Coro because we weren't able to close against the Utah Jazz and, and the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. and some of his flaws are a little more evident against these contenders, you would say, of course you weren't able to. You're getting blown out by 20 points a game, right? Uh, isn't that what's yeah. going on with the Cavs? No. Yeah. Like we, we, Again, it's it's the team exceeding expectations, and as a result of that, people are kind of accelerating their expectations for the entire roster. And I I think some perspective is necessary in those instances, but there's rotations can happen. You saw it in the, in the Milwaukee game. Yeah. He wasn't playing really great offensively. And so they got to the end of the game and he was out of the game and he played 18 minutes. It's not like he's getting a mandatory 40, right? It's not like you can't, and it's not like pulling him as a punishment. They just, they just saw that they needed to kind of go. And that's part of having a deep team. It's part of having a deep team is you can say, Hey, you know what? We're going to put Rubio in with Garland. And then we're going to play marketing and love and, and Mobley and Allen. And you know what? Maybe our young guy isn't going to get all the minutes at this point. Maybe Okoro is not going to get all the minutes at this point, but it, it, that's the point of having a deep team. If a guy's not maybe playing super well offensively, yeah, maybe he sits for a little while towards the end of a game when you need to make a run. It's not a punishment. It's a deep team. You get somebody else in there. Uh, I'm going to say the name that I think of when I think of Isaac Okoro, and I think some people are going to go ballistic crazy about it. And when you when you do these comparisons, I, I don't mean I think he's exactly the kind of player. I think he's actually a very different player than this, but this is the guy that I want him to try to get to. Chris no. Middleton. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Oh, okay. It. It's not it. Oh, oh, okay. You That'd remember, be pretty sweet. Once again, Mush. a great example of someone that was given up a little too early uh, in their career. He was a throw-in. He was right. a throw-in right. in a Brandon Knight trade. Or not Brandon Knight, Brandon Jennings. Brand, yes. Brandon Knight was in that deal, but Brandon Jennings. For, former Cavalier, great. Brandon. A way uh, better Smush Parker. A way yeah, better no, Smush yeah. Parker. <laughs> okay, so here's the name that comes to mind. All right, and, I'll shut up. I'll shut up now, athletic, guys. <laughs> not as good of a shooter yet, but he's 20, and shooting can develop. Everybody shows you this. Mm-hmm. The name that I want this guy to be like, I would love him to watch a lot of tape on a guy named Bruce Bowen. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. A guy named Bruce Bowen that was a <laughs> defensive specialist that... Oh. 
Th- thank you for thank you for reminding me who Bruce Bowen is. Please, please continue. Like uh, I don't it doesn't mean that. I don't my mean that. dreams that he checks Steve Nash into the boards and oh, robbed yeah. Canada of an NBA championship. Please remind me who Bruce were Bowen playing, is. Were they playing? Thank hockey? you. Were they playing? Little, they little might as deal. Well have been. Although little, you know what? With the calls that in happened, the Grey Cup. With the calls that happened in that Phoenix game, I am now okay with Amari Stoudemire being suspended for that game seven. You know what? The Phoenix Suns, screw them. I'm out. You know what? Jesus. Nash, Jesus. Nash deserved that broken nose. Amari deserved to be suspended. It wasn't at all fixed and rigged. I'm glad Little Tim D- Duncan hit that three in overtime. Are you okay? No, no, I was, I'm, I'm still not okay. That, that was Tell us how you ago. really feel, Justin. That, that was weeks ago. That was a vacation ago for me. This is a more toned down version of me, and I'm still upset. Little do you know, Isaac Okoro also owns a terrific collection of bow ties, just like Bruce Bowen. So he's on his way, Mike. He is on his way. Listen, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. Isaac Okoro is more athletic than Bruce Bowen ever was. Bruce Bowen was a better shooter from the start than Isaac Okoro is. So it's not like a perfect match. But the point is, on that San Antonio dynasty team, there were about five or six other guys that were better offensive options than Bruce Bowen ever was. Mm -hmm. He was a guy that was out there to make shots when they got him shots, but his primary role was to be a defensive stopper, a talent on the defensive end, and develop a three-point shot. And that's what I want Isaac Okora to be. Be the the sixth or seventh best offensive player on your team. That doesn't matter. Make an open shot when you have one and be the best defensive player on your team. And there's a place for you. It's a Torian Prince thing. Same Here, concept. Here's the funny thing. You, you made me Tayshaun, look it up. Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince. Bruce Sorry. Bowen's first year in the league, he was 26 years old. He shot Ooh. 34% from three. 27, he shot 27% from three. After that, he put it together when he was 28 years old. Right. Which, once again, eight years older than Isaac Okoro who developed a jump shot. Kyle Lowry was considered a locker room cancer and was bounced around from Memphis to Houston before landing in Toronto. And now he's one of those veterans. He, in fact, he was considered him and DeMar DeRozan, two of the worst playoff performers in all time. And he turned that around later in his career. Don't force yourself into these decisions about players earlier than you have to. Do not rush the process. I understand you have something really good that feels great with the Cavs and and they're exceeding these expectations. That doesn't mean you have to rush the process because that's how mistakes get made. And once again, like I'm, I'm saying this like every Cavs decision is made by fan poll and we need to reach a consensus here. Luckily, Kobe Altman's a a little more patient and and he's taken some long-term moves. Like when you really look at this, people were speculating that they would draft Obi Toppin over Isaac Okoro because, you know, the Cavs are always in win now and ownership's pushing down on them. Colin Sexton, raw rookie that took time but had a good work ethic and they trusted in that work ethic. He turned it around. Darius Garland coming off a meniscus surgery and a cleanup kind of cost him being effective in his rookie year. Didn't really break out until the second half of his second season. Same thing with with Sexton, right? A coral raw rookie that's going to need some time. Evan Mobley was supposed to be the the more raw option and Jalen Sutton was more the the win now guy, right? They have taken the long-term approach and not made panic moves. And and I would expect that to continue. And especially when it comes to someone like Isaac Okoro, who throughout his career has exceeded expectations. Like 
he came in not a really highly touted guy but really worked hard he went to team usa which once again this is how kobe altman finds a lot of these guys he has that team usa connection garland sexton okoro mobley allen all team usa guys all know each other from there all friends off the court before they even teamed up with the Cavs. like that's what gets me so excited because it feels like a really sustainable model where you got these guys that are already friends. They don't have to go to Miami to play with their buddies and they, they all have these great work ethics and yeah. you have to trust that when you have not one, player, not, two, not two, not two, not three, three, not four, not, four, not um, five. Cavs have six players under 25 right? that are excited. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that. No, but like, honestly, like you have a, a situation where there's all these young players that you have to trust. We have great player development coaches. We have guys that work hard. That okay. feels great. Like you have to trust the process, right? Like, uh, and not in a, a shitty way, like the Sixers. <laughs> this might be an off, like, no, never mind. Never mind. That was dumb. Say it. Say it. Say something stupid. Say something stupid like you do. I don't want to. I don't want to anymore. Now you guys have made me self-conscious, and I don't even want to anymore. Have have another sip. Have another sip, and let's hear it. Okay. Uh, Let her rip. Let's get these. uh, Let's get these inhibitions out. Chad, Chad, your head is small and human-sized. Wow. Oh, that was the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Now I want you to say it. (laughs) Uh, No, I just had the thought. I was like, oh god, that now that you guys made me think about this, it sounds like uh, Oklahoma City when they dra- when they drafted Durant and Harden and and, yeah. and they and they and they kind of built this team through that area. But but then I was like, well, wait, they didn't draft all of these guys. <laughs> they 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 just signed all these guys. But uh, I don't know. It kind of has that similar feel yeah. to me mm-hmm. that they that they got all of these guys young and they're and they're growing and developing. And I don't know. It seems to me like that's what they're turning into. I have no idea. Again. If you remember from the last time you were on, Justin, I'm not a huge NBA guy, mm-hmm. but but you know, if I'm looking at the Cavs situation, that kind of what it it, it it is kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, I mean that's one of the most recent examples, right? Like, and if it's not OKC where there's three future MVPs, and I, let's be clear, like even though I'm I'm an optimist, I don't think that's what this is. Like, I, I think Evan <laughs> Mobley might have a chance. I think Evan Mobley yeah. might have a chance to be an MVP at some point. Like I, 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 I said back in February that I think out of this draft class, he probably like if he hits his apex outcome, he's probably the one with the best chance to win an MVP. Yeah. But this might be a little more similar to Golden State where guys are all stars and they're all stars within their roles. And Defensive they player of the year. And they complement each other yeah. really well. And that's that was the thing about uh, Golden State was not just the talent they accumulated. It was how well those guys complemented one another, right? Like where yeah. their strengths don't infringe on the strengths of the other parts of that equation. And I think the Cavs are in a situation where if Mobley and Allen kind of reach their apex outcomes, teams are going to make roster building decisions based on the Cleveland Cavaliers because they're going to say, we have to get through the Cavs. We can't. Let's have, go. Like Tristan Thompson said, we can't pinch pennies on our centers because if we just have some kind of budget center replacement level guy, Jared Allen is going to eat this guy alive. We like we we have to make roster decisions to attack two seven footers that can switch on to perimeter players that cover well for each other. 
And not only do we have to think about those guys and the way that they eliminate the pain, you also have to defend a Darius Garland. You might have to defend Colin Sexton, uh, who's learning how to play off ball as a cutter. You might have a better version of Isaac Okoro. Cavs might go out and make a move for another young wing. Like it's a really, really good position. And I mean, you're going to need luck. You're going to need these guys to hit apex outcomes. I mean, Golden State, here's a perfect example of Golden State getting lucky. They offered Steph Curry and Clay Thompson for Chris Paul and were denied. They went after Dwight Howard. They tried to give Dwight Howard a max contract. That didn't work out. And their plan B was Andre Iguodala. They tried to trade Draymond Green and Harrison Barnes for Kevin Love. Like any of these things, if they happened, like if their plan A happened, they're not the same team. They might still win a championship because Steph Curry is fantastic and they still would have had a lot of talent, but they wouldn't revolutionize the sport in the way that they did. So the Cavs are zigging when other teams are zagging in a lot of ways. That's the best. But they're but they're also doing it in a modern way. And I, I think the modern way of basketball is instead of going small, because what small ball was really about, and sorry to rant, but what small ball was really about was getting five players on the court at the same time that are all skilled, that can all do everything. I think the future of the NBA is having size that does that, having seven footers that do everything, right? Like, because size is obviously an advantage playing basketball. Anyone that's played it knows that. Having seven footers that can switch on the perimeter, that can pass, that can shoot, that can do things that smaller players can do, that to me is the future of basketball. And I think it's really great that the Cavs managed to find guys that do that, that fits so well this early on. It's crazy. The fun thing about it is, right, you've talked about Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen's Jared Allen isn't as good as uh, Jokic or or Embiid because they have a different skill. They have one extra element to their skill set that Jared Allen doesn't have, right? They legitimately can be ball handlers, creators. I'll tell you what, you're going to go watch this game tonight. There's a period in about the, I want to say it's the third quarter, second or third quarter. Jared Allen takes over the game. Literally takes over the game. Literally takes over the game. Jared Allen. I got a take for you. I got a hot take for you. Go on. Give it. He might not not be Nikola Jokic. He might not be Joel Embiid. But he might be better than DeAndre Aiden. Right, 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 right. Correct. You probably would rather pay Jared Allen $20 million a year than Rudy Gobert $40 million a year. Are you really getting $20 million more worth of production from Rudy Gobert? Well, I don't think look, so. at, look at the game they played the other night. He is no. 23 years old, locked 20. up for the <laughs> next five years, and he is a top 10 player at his position. He might be top eight. He might like be top six. He like, might be top five. Yeah, I was going to say. It, like, it, like it's a deep position, but, but like, you've got, that's, that's absurd. You've got like, him. That's absurd that he's that good, especially at the center position. Like Tristan Thompson turned into a really great defender, someone that ne- neutered the best offensive lineup that we've seen in the Warriors down yes. lineup. And it probably took him about his fourth, fifth year before he started actually being an impactful defensive player. That took some time. You don't see young players be this good defensively this early on. And that's, what's got me really, really excited. So you've got Jared Allen, I think is one of the top at his, he's one of the top at his position in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darius Garland to me, it's starting to look a little like it's it's not as good. Listen, I think 
with all the wackiness that has ensued over the last five years, I think we're all going to start to let it fade a little bit as to how good Kyrie Irving really was. Yeah. And maybe could be again, maybe, but I highly doubt that he'll ever be what he was again. But Kyrie Irving was the most, one of the most incredible players you will ever watch play the game of basketball. Uh, Darius, Darius starting to remind me a little Kyrie, not as good at finishing at the rim. Kyrie was Kyrie is one of the best finishers for a point guard. I've ever seen at the rim. One of Mm -hmm. the best finishers at the rim. Darius isn't there, but like Darius just being able to create a shot when a shot is needed. He's starting to remind me a little bit of Kyrie, the way he plays. Uh, He, and this is just about the highest praise I can give for a point guard, but he scratches the Kyrie itch. And like, yeah, yeah, sort of like here's, here's the thing with Kyrie, like Kyrie, in my opinion, is one of the most offensively talented basketball players we have ever seen. Like when you're talking about handle, like even Allen Iverson says Kyrie has the best handle he's ever seen out of any NBA player ever. Uh, you look at what he did individually as a scorer against Clay Thompson and everything that the Warriors threw him. There was a reason the Warriors respect him like they do. There's a reason why Andre Iguodala is like Kyrie's like a top 25 player all time. Like he's fantastic. Kyrie, the thing with him, though, was he is that great offensively. And I think some of the passing stuff was overblown. Like he was still around like five, six assists throughout his career. But he wasn't the main offensive engine. I was and gonna I say you're also he, playing with LeBron. Your 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 assists and, aren't gonna. But like even before then, like even his rookie year, he was crazy efficient. He was crazy talented mm-hmm. offensively. Yeah. He needed to have kind of that point forward to play off of, right? Like a secondary playmaker, and like he, he's great in Brooklyn. He was great in Boston year one. Darius there's enough reason to believe he can be the main offensive engine. I don't think he's going to be the best player on this team. I think Evan Mobley's probably on path to do that, but the same way that Mobley anchors the defense and elevates the defense, Garland does that for the offense. Garland's one of the only, like when you look at modern point guards, he's one of the only water bug point guards that can get anywhere he wants on the floor. That's pass first. Like he right. is looking to create for other guys. And the biggest step for him was understanding that if I am assertive and I take my own shots, it's going to create opportunities for other guys. And I think that was the big thing that the Cavs were fighting with him was he was passive in some ways, like he would get into the lane, but he's looking to create for others. And now that he's actually going out there and he's scoring 22 points a game, like one <laughs> sections out. He's understanding, okay, I can also get nine assists a night doing this because guys are freaking the hell out because I'm getting by that first line of defense consistently. I'm in the lane, and as I'm going up and I'm about to throw either a floater or a lob, they don't know until it leaves my hands. I have disguised it so it looks the exact same every single way, and the defender's freaking out because do I contest this shot? And maybe I, he still makes a floater over me? Or... Am I going to contest a shot and all of a sudden Jared Allen's dunking over my entire team? He does that a lot. He does that a ton. He does that a lot. And then there's Evan yeah. Mobley that does that. He also does that a lot. And sometimes Laurie Markin. He does that a bunch too. Laurie, and that was one of the things that <laughs> when we traded for, when we traded for Laurie Markin and I said he did not play with the point guard in Chicago. They did not give him a point guard the entire time, and he was in the nine. I forget exactly what the figure was, but it was above the 90th percentile in cutters, like efficiency off cuts in Chicago. But because yeah. they didn't have a point guard, you weren't capitalizing on an opportunity. You'll now see you it tonight. D- 
You'll now see. You have him Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio. Those guys can find him as a cutter. He, you'll see it tonight as a curler like stop giving him spoilers mike <laughs> you'll see you'll see some marking and cuts tonight and i have amazing. no discipline i was looking at the box score the whole time oh know. okay all right he knows, he knows what happened he told and, Fair enough. and also I, I i play fantasy basketball on sleeper i'm going to give them free advertising there because they fixed fantasy whoa, basketball whoa. no free ads no, you know what? <laughs> I support the people that I get joy from. Uh, I have Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Laurie Markinen on my fantasy team, and oh, what uh, a homer. I'm I'm feeling great about it. It's a dynasty team too, so I keep this entire roster Ooh, the entire nice. existence. Those guys are not going anywhere. Let no. me tell you that. I I gave up a gross amount to get Evan Mobley because someone reached for him, uh, but I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it because. <laughs> There was no way I was letting someone else have an infant Mobley on, on my dynasty league. My dynasty league where I'm commissioner, I changed his nickname to Property of Justin. <laughs> oh, man. There's no discipline guys, I, in this dojo. Let me tell you that. <laughs> if I can make one point about Kyrie, guys, I I have been I've, – I've, Justin, I don't know if we talked about this last time. I, I work for this, the scoreboard show down, mm-hmm. at, down at the arena there. Uh, I have been under the hoop for a lot, like a, a ton of Cavs games over the last 12 or 14 years. If I can make a point about Kyrie, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about basketball. You know, it, you know, a shooter doesn't impress me, but what one of the things I always looked for, especially when someone new came in, was how they finished around the rim. Mm. And, and, and this is with LeBron. This is with everybody that's come through the Cavs over the last, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. Kyrie is the has was the most under control finisher at the rim that I have ever seen in my entire life. And the 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 things that that guy did, you know, because I mean, you know, a lot of guys, especially when they're starting out, are just just kind of flailing at the rim, trying to figure out how to finish. But Kyrie came in and was just yeah. just immediately was just so under control. No matter, even when he looked out of control, he would get to the rim. And all of a sudden, he would be in control, and he would finish. It was, finish, like, and it was, it was like slow motion, and it was too. wasn't it? It was like yeah, slow motion. Yeah. You would hear the stories about him when he was training with his dad, and he would play basketball on courts where the backboard wasn't complete, where there were holes in the backboard. So yep. he would learn yeah. how to put spin off of one area, and that yeah. ball is going to hit the one part of the backboard that's still there, and it's going to spin and go into the rim. Like, he his control and like the the way that he was able to maintain control of the basketball, even when he's off bounds, even when he's doing all these acrobatic finishes, like there was nothing like it. Like, Oh yeah. Kyrie yeah. really kept nothing. my love of basketball alive after the decision, basically <laughs> like it's, there's like, it's unfortunate that it went the way it did. And once again, like you take someone away from this Cleveland culture, baby, like you, you go to Boston and it falls apart. Boston doesn't know yeah. how to handle that. Brooklyn, they don't know how to handle that. LeBron goes to LA. That falls apart. Larry Nance goes to Portland. That falls apart. It's that I Cleveland mean, culture, Cleveland culture. Dwayne Wade left Cleveland yeah. for Miami. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne yeah. Wade yeah. left Cleveland for Cavalier. Miami and he gave him some of that Cleveland Long culture. Time Cavalier. He, he turned that thing around. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but like God, but that was so weird. That was so that was so weird that he was a part of our team, wasn't it? Like at some point, that was so weird. <laughs> Dwayne Wade, Derek Rose, Isaiah Thomas, like <laughs> so Dwayne, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is still when I look back at that specific team. Dwayne Wade's the guy that I go. God, I wish they would have just hung on to him. 
because uh, because remember where that team eventually went. Remember where that team eventually yeah, but went. He didn't start getting into shape and being productive until after he left. I uh, like. But I, that's I when they that. needed it. That's when they needed it. Yeah, remember but remember that playoff get, run. I, and people don't understand this about Cleveland. I tell anyone that laughs at it as a city. You don't understand how good that food in Cleveland is. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You're saying Dwayne Wade was just slamming pierogies, and that was nah, the problem. I'm saying, man, he was at Slimans <laughs> every single day. I, I haven't done the, the reporting, but you know that's that's what was going down. I, I'm pretty confident in that. <laughs> and, and the then you go to Miami, and you got that Cuban coffee going, and like it's you're, mm. you have no appetite, and that's why that's he dropped though. all that weight. That's why he was productive. <laughs> Good grief! Uh, but you know what? Like I, I think there is a value though in doing favors with guys like if someone flat out doesn't want to be there and you can kind of you know pocket a favor from an agent or an organization and send them to miami and kind of orchestrate that sort of stuff i, I sure. think it was a I, good I think look. there's a value in doing right it and was a good look let's be honest Dwayne wait on that team does that change the outcome of anything that occurred i mean maybe oh, remember God, no. remember what occurred in that postseason Maybe Dwayne Wade helps. Oh, may- maybe he helps. I don't think you win a championship. I don't think the Warriors got a second gear that entire postseason. Uh, maybe you don't go down to the wire against Indiana, which scared the hell out of me. Like, they legitimately should have lost in the first round. They legitimately should have lost but maybe in the conference it's du- finals. Maybe it's Dwayne Wade that grabs that rebound maybe instead of J.R. Smith. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it's Dwayne Wade that knows how to go back up with the ball. I will still defend Jr. on this. So no. let's say let's say he takes that shot. Let's say that shot goes in. The Warriors still have seven seconds to score against the worst defense in NBA history. But you're up one. That's all that matters. If they make the shot, they make no, 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 if no. If he makes if, the shot, no, no if, it was awful. It was awful. I'm if just they, saying. If the Warriors make the shot, they make the shot. You live with it. They make the shot, but you're up, and they have to make the shot to beat you. The you know what? The and George Hill should have made the free. Do you know what? Yeah, oh, there, there's that component too. Here's the difference. J.R. Smith hits that shot. Warriors miss the shot. My off season ends two days later, <laughs> or my off season begins two days later because the they're optimism. still winning in Where's five. Where's the optimism? You guys should take this outside and fight and have a beer afterwards. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, I think bringing it full circle. I think that's the way this is going to go. My next, I've already come back down no. to Cleveland. I, I'm going to come again, and we're going to scrap it out. You know, and you're going to feel better. <laughs> no, you're going to feel I a little am, better. You're going to feel a little more cultured too. You're going to be like, you know what? I've tasted. I have sampled the Canadian prairies in there. The beer is going to the beer is going to taste that much better afterwards. No, like really I am. Is. I am big, soft baby man. I do not want to fight you. That, that, that's why the Canadian beers are just a little bit stronger. You, you need it after a few blows to the face. Have you ever been to Toronto? The I, worst I beer city not. I've ever been to. I believe that. Literally the worst We're, beers I've ever had. We're in Toronto. I, Toronto likes like, to be New York so badly. Oh, uh, Okay, here, before we let you out of here, Justin, here's what I want to know. I want to know a fairly realistic... I, I'm watching the I'm watching this team, right? I'm watching them go up against some of the best teams in the NBA right now and just compete and yeah. night in and night out. And, and even a night like tonight, right, where they go out and just blow out the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. This is a game where we've seen this Cavs team in the past 
take a tough loss against a good team like Milwaukee, a tough loss where they hung in until the very end of that game, and then they lose. And then this is a game where we've traditionally seen them come out and kind of lay an egg. Mm-hmm. And they just come out and like every game's a new game for them. Every game is a new game. That's the best part about watching the Cavs. No matter what happened the game before, every game they are trying, they are playing well. They're playing hard. It's like there's no hangover from previous games. They're just out there doing what they do. So here's what I want to know. Where can this team go? Because like I'm having a I'm having a hard time. I want to be realistic Cleveland fan and say, oh, well, they maybe they make the playoffs, but that's, you know, then they get crushed in the first round and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm ready to say that. I don't know that I'm ready to say that this team can't make a run. So what I want to know, what I want to know from you is where do you think this team can go? And then we've talked about it a little bit. And I, and I know, I know part of your answer is let's not get hasty on. Let's not make crazy moves to diminish the future of this team just for the sake of this team. But like, what are they missing right now? I think what they're missing right now is still a more traditional small forward. Like I, I would be really on board with that. Like I, I know right now Laurie Markin is playing really well at the three, but I think in a perfect world, like in a post Kevin Love world, because let's be honest, Laurie Markin signed as a free agent to basically come off the bench. Like he knew Evan Mobley was here. He was going to, you know, log 32 minutes a night at the four and five and, and split minutes with Mobley and with Allen and kind of provide that spacing. Like that was the normal thing. If you can add a, a small forward, like a big playmaking wing, I think that's one of the biggest needs. Those players don't hit the market often. Like like I said, like if a Brandon Ingram or a Jalen Brown hits the market, get aggressive. Like you have all these picks. You have some young players you, you can probably throw in. Uh, maybe even a Lori Markin and who, who knows, right? Like it depends what teams value. Personally, like I hate doing the fake trade game because oh, like, yeah. I, I like it. Like there's fun in it, but also like on the one hand and like sometimes we might end up talking to these players and their people and getting traded sucks and you have to relocate your family and whatnot. Like that's awful. On the other hand, how many trades that have occurred in NBA history could you propose before they occurred and everyone's like, you know what? That makes sense. You know, there's logic behind it with each teams. I see how this benefits them. You know what? This seems like a sound trade. No, every (laughs) single trade that's occurred, people would lose their minds over. Like once again, let's go back to Lonzo ball for center Garrett temple. Jesus. Let's go to Dante Exum out for the year and a Milwaukee bucks first round pick after Giannis extended for Jared Allen. If I propose that on the podcast, <laughs> we would never have been acquired by the Cavs. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That is bonkers. Are you right. kidding me? That that doesn't right. occur. Even Torian Prince for Ricky Rubio, like that's yeah, absolutely. Like slam dunk, big win for the Cavs. Like I, I don't know what's out there. Um, and, and again, like if Kevin Love wants to finish out the rest of his contract. Cleveland and he's bought in maybe you do that if he's you know playing hard because hey maybe there's an opportunity to move him to like a third team in a deal maybe you trade with the like the Orlando Magic as, as an example and get Gary Harris and Terrence Ross for Kevin Love send Kevin Love to a third team that's a playoff team Orlando get some assets for the future it's one of those kind of mutually beneficial deals that gets the Cavs some wing on the depth on the wing like I, I'm not in a huge rush but 
I do think you still have to be aggressive. You have to figure out what's available on the market. If a big trade is going down, can we get in as a third team? That's that's one thing Kobe's done a great job of. He got in the Drew Holiday trade and got a first round pick unprotected out of that. Like they still had that first round pick, but they got it unprotected because Drew Holiday was going to Milwaukee. They got in the Harden trade and got Jared Allen. If all of a sudden the Indiana Pacers are looking to move all of their players and the Sixers are looking to move Ben Simmons, maybe there's an opportunity to get in there. I don't know. But you know what? You have to look at those opportunities because as much as you want to be patient, you also have to strike when the iron's hot. How how different do the Portland Trailblazers look if they trade CJ McCollum uh, for Kawhi Leonard instead of DeMar DeRozan? Like oh. that would have been a better offer. That would have been a better offer. It's a warmer place in Toronto too. He might have stayed there. You never That's know. True. Like a, That's true. It's you, you can't miss out on these opportunities. It, it's a really tricky thing. It's going to take some luck when it comes to team building. But like the biggest thing for me, I'm enjoying the moment because I, I don't it. know. I don't know if guys are going to be healthy. I don't know if they're going to test positive for COVID and miss two weeks. I don't know. Like if like Colin Sexton, one of the healthiest guys in the league tears his meniscus, like nothing's guaranteed right Right. now. I'm getting consistent entertainment on a night to night basis. And as a basketball fan, that's all I want. I can ask for, and that's it. Justin Rowan escapism. This is escapism. This is stupid. This isn't real world. This is guys playing a game for a living. This is fun. Like that's, that's the lens I keep this in. But it, but it's fun to break it down. It's fun to talk about it. And, and to be honest with you, with, with what Kobe Altman and J.B. Bickerstaff have done, and their, and their staffs, yeah. and, and the scouts, and the assistant GMs, and the assistant coaches, what they have done with this basketball team, there isn't one team in the NBA that sees the Cavs on their schedule right now and goes, okay, cool, win, chalk that up. Not one. That the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks, a team that matches up with the Cavs as well as any team I've seen so far this year, had to fight and scrap and get Giannis three pointers to beat the Cavs. That's what had to happen. And that is all of us Cleveland fans should be excited about that because this is different than the last time. This is different than when LeBron left the first time. And then they were trying to piece things together. And then LeBron came back and kind of saved the day. Mm-hmm. But in between those years was just rough. This is different. This team is put together. They're not banking on some superhero to come back and save the day. What they have done is they've put together a team that is competitive night in and night out. And it's talented and it's in a deep. way that's sustainable. Like I, I know you're wrapping yeah. it up, but I, I think this is the perfect way to capture that. Tony Jones, yeah. I don't know if, you know, uh, beat writer for The Athletic, covers the Utah Jazz, one, one of the smarter basketball guys out there. He tweeted about how beating the Cleveland Cavaliers was a quality win and kind of like a measuring stick, stick game for the Utah Jazz. You show me that before the season, I would think I'm hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. the Utah Jazz, a team as good, good as Utah, is feeling like, you know what, this is a quality win. We beat the Cavs on the road. We They had a game-winning shot. It rimmed out. We survived. This was a great win for us. That should not be where a team this young is, but it's where they're at. And that's a really, really fortunate thing. There are going to be setbacks. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have uh, gambles that don't work out for the Cavs, but you have control of Evan Mobley for the next seven, eight years. 
you have Jared Allen locked up for five years. You have Darius Garland probably under team control for at least the next six years. Like you, uh, you've got a bit of a stew going here. There's yeah. a lot. Of, we we are at the beginning of Stir an it. era. We are at the beginning of an era, just like the, you had the LeBron era. You're just a little ahead of schedule. You're ahead of schedule where you were with LeBron at this age, yeah. and he is arguably the greatest player of all time. All right, and Justin, as much as I love LeBron, that's crazy. And as much as I and as much as I love LeBron, I wouldn't want him anywhere near this team. Like a lot of people you say on Twitter, he'd, that he he'd probably trade him Mobley and Darius Garland for some of his friends. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning into the mic and and whispering into it. But no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say without all that, I would take him, but it's fine. It's fine. We're all good. Uh, <laughs> he all right. can have that Dwayne Wade farewell tour here. Oh, in, in, yeah, right. right, 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 right. Listen, I'll take that. I'll take Bronny and Bron. I'll take them both. That's fine. Uh, final thing, Justin Rowan, final score prediction. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oh. <laughs> final score prediction. You know, we are still talking about December football, which never happens. The CFL season got pushed back a little bit with COVID. Uh, I am going to go with the Bombers 25, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, not 25. Let's go. I'm trying to do football math in my head. 27. Like, Let's go 27. Hey, 27, 10. 27, 10. Whoa. Whoa. Lock them down. How, how many rouges? How best, many rouges? Best defense in the league. Best defense in Bombers history. Is Johnny Manziel still playing for Hamilton? <laughs> oh, man. Did I enjoy when Johnny Manziel played in Winnipeg? Because we have our season tickets right by the tunnel where the opposition comes in and out. So I was there with the money hands the whole time. Because oh, at that no. point, I think it was like his oh, sixth no. game and he, he still hadn't <laughs> thrown a touchdown in the CFL. And we just had so much fun with that. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Justin Rowan, uh, what you and Carter do is amazing. I listen to it every week. Uh, I should I should be more active on like getting it out there. But uh, what you guys do every week, we the, chase down, the Chase Down Pod, you guys are awesome. Uh, and we love, it. I've been excited all day, all day. I was working, I was doing whatever I had to do. And I was like, let's just get to tonight to talk a little Cavs basketball, <laughs> uh, with Justin Rowan and Justin, you, uh, uh, the way you cover the Cavs, the way you follow the Cavs, what you and Carter do is awesome. So again, if you're not following them, if you're not subscribed, get over to the chase down pod, subscribe to them. It's the official podcast of the Cavaliers. You can go follow Justin at Cavsanada, Canadian Cavs, Cavsanada, combine the two words, it's fine. Uh, and follow Carter too, even though he's not here. Uh, he's fine. Or don't, he's or don't. Well. He's fine. He is what it is. Uh, Justin, dude, thank you so much for joining us. We had an awesome time again with you and uh, a little more optimism here tonight. So we're excited. You know we'll, we'll talk to you as the season goes on. It's a great thing. You know what? Like, honestly, thank you so much for having me. It's a lot of fun to hang out with you guys. And, uh, the the nice thing about the Cavs being better is, you know, it's more exclusive for you guys to invite me because you invite me, I'm coming over. This is a good yes. hang. It's a great yes. podcast. It's a great yes. show. It's it's good vibes. It's exactly the type of sports conversation I like to have. So thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, once again, like bringing some fun sports content in because there's just not enough. Let's of go. It, you know, let's thank go. You for that. Thank I'm you just, for I'm, your I'm, service. I'm just glad thank you, you said for that. your service, Mike. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad you said that because when I when I message you on Twitter, I'm I'm hoping you're just not like Jesus, this guy again, <laughs> this fucking guy. 
is there anything that I have done in my life that tells you I take this stuff seriously or no. I think of myself <laughs> I as anything other I don't know, than maybe, an idiot? Maybe somewhere in your life. Maybe. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. There might have been a moment. There might have been a cocky <laughs> moment in there. But, you know, like, this is a dude. This is a dude being a fan, having a good time. and Just that's, dudes being that's, guys. That's what we guys do. Dudes be being dudes. guys. Guys being dudes. Title the podcast, Guys Being Dudes. That's Guys the Being one, Dudes. You know? Hey, stay away from Portage and Maine for the next six months. I huh? promise stay away. you nothing. I am storming Portage and Maine when we win another cup. Back to back, baby. All right, fine. Fine. All right, Justin. We'll catch you, uh, we'll catch you a little bit down the line. Go Cavs and uh, go Blue Bombers. And once again, a humongous thank you to Justin Rowan. We love that dude. Justin Rowan, friend of the podcast. Go follow him again at Cavs Anada. Follow uh, the Chase Down podcast. Go subscribe to them. Follow them everywhere. Uh, Justin and Carter Rodriguez do a great job. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate Justin coming on to talk a little bit of Cavs with us. Uh, before we get out of here, we're going to do some quick hitters. The first quick hitter we're going to do. It's been like two weeks since we've seen the Browns play. The six and six Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Everything that happened last week was uh-huh. good for the Browns. Literally everything that happened was good everything. for the Browns. Everything. 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 Everything that happened was good for the Browns. In the division, not in the division. Everything that happened was good for the Browns. Um, uh-huh. So, Chad. Yeah. Here we come, here we come out of the bye. Uh-huh. And uh, y'all, listen up. Uh, another friend of the podcast, uh, the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report. We've had a lot of them on with us. Uh, we've had Stephen Thomas, uh, uh, Brown's daily mock draft. We've had Jake Burns. Um, uh, we'll be doing more things with the OBR because we're just friends and they're good people. And, and for some reason they like us and we love that. Uh, I don't get it. So stay, stay in touch with them, but here we go. The Browns lost an insanely winnable game to the Ravens that we were insanely mad about that. I'm still insanely mad about. Uh-huh. And here come the Ravens again. The Ravens just lost to the Steelers uh, yeah. in a game that they probably don't lose if they go to overtime, but they go for the two-point conversion and the Steelers hold and they beat them. Uh, so, again, here you are. If you're the Browns, get a win this week and you are right in the thick of literally everything. How are you feeling coming out of this bye week, Chad? I, I have, Honestly, Mike, I have no idea. I, I, I've... There is nothing uh, coming out of the, the, the coming out of this bye week that makes me think that this offense is going to be any better. So what I'm hoping, what am I, what my my hope and prayer is, and I'm sure they have, and I'm sure they have done this, is is I hope this Browns team has done a lot of self scouting and they're able to do the things that they were get back to doing the things they were able to do last year, and that's run the football, run the football efficiently. I know this Ravens team comes in at uh, it, it, the second ranked defense uh, against the rush. But the thing is, is if you keep at it, you can impose your will on a defense. And, and that's exactly what this Browns offensive line, this, this Browns offense has shown in the past that they can do is impose their will. So that's what I'm hoping this Browns, like the, the this Browns offense can do. Like that's my main concern coming out of this week is how is this offense going to react and going to improve and going to switch things around from their performance these last few weeks because this Browns defense has really been carrying the load and this offense just hasn't been able to pick them up. So I am just, I'm hoping they come out with a refreshed mindset. I'm hoping they come out with 
uh, kind of a little bit more relaxed and loose and and they just come out and they just go play football man i mean that's really what it is it just like these last few weeks this brits brown's offense just seems so uptight and and inconsistent and not able to perform man so i, I i'm just hoping that this week week of rest helped them and they come out ready to work listen i i i was on with the guys from the obr monday night and we were talking about that and 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 stephen thomas uh he asked that question he said he to, to wrap up the podcast. So I'm interested to hear what you say to wrap up the show on Monday. He said, he kind of threw it around the table. He said, who's somebody kind of under the radar. You're looking for to make a difference for the Browns this week. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a total cop-out answer, but it's the real answer. Nobody. I don't want yeah. anybody under the radar to pop yeah. up and, and, and make a difference in this game. I don't want that. If somebody does cool, fine. But that's I'm, that's not what I'm sitting here thinking. You know what I want to have happen? I want the guys that are supposed to make plays to make plays. I want yeah. Austin Hooper to catch the goddamn football. Right. I, want, I want Donovan Peoples-Jones to catch the goddamn football. I, right. want, I want them to stop running plays on third and 10 that are good play designs, that are successful, that just result in drops or bad throws. I want Baker... Enough of the excuses. I know you're hurt. I know you're hurt. And that is a valid excuse. But, man, make the throws. Make the throws. The Austin Hooper drop on the last possession of the Browns game against the Ravens, that's all Austin Hooper. Baker put that yeah. on the money. It's all Austin Hooper. Uh-huh. He, he had Jarvis Landry on a back shoulder throw that he missed. Make the throw. Right. I'm tired of we're talking about Jack Conklin being out. And that is a big loss. Right. Listen, Jack Conklin is good when he plays, but you know what? He hasn't played a lot. He's yeah. been hurt a lot this year. So you know what? Enough about the talk about the backups, my man. Somebody, Blake Hans or James Hudson or whoever, whoever, yeah. step yeah. in and be good. Do your right. job. That's right. what I want. Right. The defense has done a really good job in the past several weeks of just doing their job. Now it's time for the offense. Do your job. I don't want to see somebody special, weird, come up and make crazy plays. You know what I want to see? I want to see you do your job. You know, the, th- you know, the thing is, you know, and the funny thing is, is, is you talk about that and someone is going to have to step up. It's going to be interesting to see the adjustments that they make because Harrison Bryant's out. David Njoku is most likely out now because he just got placed on the COVID list. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, this offense adjusts to it. I mean, you heard Kareem Hunt say earlier in the week, I would love to see myself and Nick Chubb on the field at the same time. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. So that's that's going to be the one thing to look for, you know, is is how this offense adjusts because this is a tight end heavy offense, but uh, with, with a lot of, you know, only one real like starter, like healthy starter tight end out there right now. Yeah, uh, other guys are going to have to step in and make plays. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but 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 you're right, though, Mike. I mean, even with those other guys stepping in, having to step up and make plays, it's it's going to be do your job time. So I'm I'm assuming a, a lot of Jamarcus Bradley will be out there instead, <laughs> instead of like a Harrison Bryant or David and Joku. But we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see about Higgins. Yeah. But again, just do your job. I'm, I'm tired of worrying about all the semantics of everything. Right. Forget about right. the semantics. No matter who you are, go out and do your job. And if yeah. you do that, the Browns will win. But this is it, dude. 
this I've said, I've said enough times. I think I said it when they were like three and three, I said a three and three team has never been eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah. And as far as I know, most teams at six and six are not eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. This is a team that has a chance to make it where they want to make it. But <laughs> this is, this is the game. This is the game. You come out and you yeah. lose, you come out and lay a dud to the Ravens. Yeah. Who are not playing well at all. Their defense is hurt. They just lost their best defensive player. Marlon Humphrey's done for the year. Their secondary is banged up to shit. They did get Calais Campbell back, so that's good for them. So that, again, they're going to do. Here's the thing, Chad. The Ravens are going to do exactly what they did last time. Sell out on the run. Make Baker beat you. on the run. Yeah. Uh Sell out on the run. So how are the Browns going to beat him? Because I don't care who you are. That game, New England and Buffalo, Buffalo played the worst defense I've ever seen in my whole life. It was the worst (laughs) defense I've ever seen. I would have been pissed if I was a New England fan and it's second and 10 and they just do the most obvious handoff of all time. But Buffalo just played terrible defense. You can't just go out there and run the ball. You have to have a balanced offense. So the Browns, it's time for the Browns. Have a balanced offense. Do what you need to do and do what you're capable of because this is your season here. You go to seven and six and you beat the Ravens, you got a chance at the division. You go to six and seven, goodbye. See you next year. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You win, you you win, and it's it's all on the line for you. You lose. I don't know. I might just go back into apathy, which is what I have been with the Browns for the last 20 years. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's just, okay. Like keep my expectations low. If we win great, if we lose eh, whatever, at least it won't ruin my Sunday. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be, the, it's really going to be the same thing as it, the same scenario as two weeks ago, Mike. I mean, you're going to have to make plays in a passing game for the run to be successful. Yeah. And and we'll see if that happens. Hopefully the receivers don't drop the fucking ball. Hopefully Baker looks as confident as he, cause he looked confident you know, back there. In the right. pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- back there two weeks ago. I mean, he's still not a great drop back quarterback, but I mean, he, he, he looked comfortable. He looked as comfortable as he he's been all year. I thought he made uh, several two, two great ago. throws that got dropped. Yeah. That I thought, I thought he did too. I, I am so tired of seeing people on Twitter like, Oh, but if you would have just thrown it to the other side, Donovan Peoples-Jones was wide open 30 yards down the field, and he hit him in stride. There's no questioning that. See, that's the thing. It was the perfect read. That's the design of the play. It went exactly the way it was supposed to go. Peoples-Jones got wide open. Baker hit him square in the fucking face 30 yards down the field, and Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped it. And we've got people on Twitter that are like, but look at these guys on the other side of the field. That would have been a touchdown. That wasn't the read. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was and a that- perfect play. And Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't catch the ball. All I'm saying is, if you want to win this game, nobody needs to be a super- superhero. Nobody needs to do anything crazy. Do your job. You're better than them. Do your job. Right. You are better than the Ravens. I don't know how many times we have to say this. You're better than them right now. You are better <laughs> yeah. than them. Do your right. job and you will beat them. You are right. so mind fucked sometimes about everything. Right. Just go out and do the basics and you will win. Right? No. Yeah, I totally agree. And for anybody who, like what you just mentioned, Mike, to your point, anybody who just 
uh, is worried about that, I encourage them to go back and 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 listen to the Brent Sobolewski interview, be giving an interesting perspective. That's how offenses are designed. You go to the first read. Right. <laughs> you go to the first read. And the first read on those type of plays, Donovan Peoples-Jones is wide open. So Wide open. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Just do your job. All right, Chad, before we get to our three cheers of the week or two cheers of the week this week, really quickly, a one-minute Columbus Blue Jackets rundown. Give it to us. Man, this team is like Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Mike. I mean, this team is so good at home. This team is so, so, so good at home. I believe the last that I saw, they were nine and three at home. And this team is, I believe it's, I believe they're 13 and 11 right now. Uh, So if that gives you any idea how bad they are on the road, you know, this, this last game against Toronto, you know, it was encouraging. I mean, the Jackets showed a lot of heart. They came back, they fought, they never gave up and they only, and they only ended up losing uh, by a goal uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they've they just got to get those road woes figured out. I mean, these last few games on the road, I mean, you had a 5-4 loss to Toronto, a 6 nothing loss to Nashville, and I, it was like a, I believe it was a 6-3 loss to uh, Dallas uh, a, a, as well. So it's just, they're just two completely different teams uh, fr- from, from being at Nationwide Arena and on the road right now. So I mean, if they hope to get to where they get, I mean, I know they're young. I know inconsistencies are going to show. I know, uh, you know, there's a little bit of regression and, you know, and everybody's talking about a rebuild and we expected this. There's going to be ebbs and flows to any NHL season, but they got to get a little bit better on the road. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where they're at right now. I mean, this is still a good team. This is still a fun team to watch. It's just, uh, it's just figuring out, you know, what they can do on the road right now to get some, to, to get some wins. And they are, they are still a blast to watch. Uh, yeah. And, and you're right. That that's it. Uh, when you, when you catch the blue jackets, if you're a hockey fan and you're a blue jackets fan, you catch them on a home game, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a real good time. <laughs> yeah. You catch right now, you catch them on the road. It's not going to be as fun. So yeah, they yeah. can figure that out. But uh, yeah. Anyways, that was our real quick one minute rundown of the Blue Jackets and where they're at so far. And we're going to end this podcast with uh, one of our other favorite segments of the week. It's our three cheers of the week where we just kind of look back at something that is good from the week and we just bring it positive at you. So Chad, I'll let you lead us off. What's your cheer of the week? Uh, well, uh, my cheer of the week is uh Huh. Uh, well, you, you, you know what? You go, Mike. You go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Listen, my cheer of the week is simple. I'm coming to you from Bowling Green, Ohio, where <laughs> I graduated. I'm a Falcon. I graduated from Bowling Green State University. Had a great time in my four years in this beautiful location, which is the least beautiful place on the planet. Uh <laughs> But you know what? I've had a great time here. I'm here by myself. And I just kind of reminisced and I went to some of the old spots. So I had a fantastic time, whether it was Bowling Green Beer Works that I that was my beer of the week. Whether it was Trotter's Pub, which still to this day has one of the best steaks on the planet. I sent you a picture of it, Chad. It's delicious. Yeah, it looked amazing. Oh, my God. Amazing. Uh, whether it was downtown or Broadhouse, 
I just got to hang out in my old stomping grounds. And uptown, was, uptown, downtown. Uptown was closed because that doesn't that doesn't open until like eleven o'clock. <laughs> and I'm not going back out. Uh, Gee, however, however, I did sit at downtown where I sat many a night as a student here. So it was just fun to reminisce. So my my cheer is just going to Bowling Green, Ohio, Bowling Green State okay. University. Uh, go Falcons. Okay. Well, listen, you know what? I'm going to send my cheer out to Ashland University. Then I'm going to send it out to my alma mater. Why? They don't care about you. Yes, they do. No, they yes, don't. they do. Why? No, they don't. I called them. How? How do you, no, you didn't. You did not. You did not. I feel like you're lying to me right now. You don't know. <laughs> are you Are you going to give a cheer or what, Chad? That is. It's to my alma mater, Ashton University. If we're if we're doing alma maters, it cheers goes to Ashton University. What? I had a great right. time there. My <laughs> four years. Real Linders, original, Chad. You dumbass. Linders, Linders has incredible wings. Uh, you are so uh, stupid. Bull shooters. I'll never forget bull You're shooters. A bull 32. shooter. No, 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 no. 75 cent, 32 ounce uh, beers uh, <laughs> over the weekends. You know what, Chad? Here's my cheers to you for being a dumbass. <laughs> All right, that's, that's going to do it. We're, oh, God. I'm coughing. We're giving our cheers to our alma maters. So we'll give a fake cheer to Joey to Belmont University down in Nashville because that's his. Uh, listen. Big time thanks goes out, of course, to Justin Rowan at Cavs Anita for talking Cavs with us from the Chase Down podcast. Go check them out. They do great work about the Cavs. And finally, they get a chance. I feel good for those guys because for a few years now, their job has been to talk about the Cavs, trying to figure good things out to say. Finally, they don't have to try so hard. There's a lot of good things to say about the Cavs. You saw that with Justin tonight. Thank you to Justin for coming on with us. Uh, thank you again. Goes out to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. Go check them out. And of course, our biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you putting up with us and loving us and everything you guys do. Go follow us online uh, at the Garage Beers. Check out our YouTube and make sure you're sus- subscribing to us and giving us a review. Those always help a rating and a review. So go do that. But uh, we really, really appreciate you. So uh, for Joey, who was not here down in Nashville, Tennessee at Garage Beers, Joe, we missed him, but uh, he'll be back again for Chad over there on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers. Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike saying this has been episode number 94. Go Cavs. We will see you again next week. Cheers, everybody. Thunderstruck, adjective, shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival, choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama.